So I'd like to welcome everyone here to the Inclusive Activism Podcast. Today I have several special guests uh, here with me, and so I'm excited to have all of you here with me uh, to talk about stuff. That's more folks than I've ever interviewed at the same time ever, so all-time record of uh, people. Uh, so what we're here to talk about is a project that's going to be going on here at in Phoenix, Arizona, uh, in partnership with ASU Gamage. Uh, and right now the working title, as I understand it, is Native Nation. And so I'm going to allow the folks that are with me to somewhat introduce themselves, talk about uh, who they are, what they do, what brings them to the project, <laughs> how the hell you find yourself in my office uh, this afternoon after chips and guacamole, as far as just kind of like uh, letting folks know what kind of brings you here, what uh, is your role in it. Hi, I'm Larissa Fasters, and I'm happy to be here. I am from the Sechangu Lakota Nation, and I'm the playwright on this process. Uh, we have been working together here with Cornerstone Theatre Company, you'll hear about in a second, for about five years on an earlier uh, play that this was, this or earlier theatrical experience that inspired Native Nation that we're doing now here in Arizona. And I'm here because ASU connected us mm -hmm. last time we were in town and uh, we're really thrilled to get to know you and thanks so much for having us come. Yeah, it's a pleasure having you. Yeah, I'm Michael Garces, uh, I'm the artistic director of Cornerstone Theatre Company. We're a community engaged ensemble based in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we're in our like 32nd year of existence, I've been with the company for 12. And uh, we make community engaged work and by that I mean we make good work by foreign about communities with which we're in collaboration. Mm -hmm. Work with a wide range of, uh, in a wide range of different contexts, mm -hmm. I would say. Um, defining community in a lot of different ways. Sometimes the geography, we worked in a lot of small towns mm -hmm. across the country and across the state of California. We worked with uh, communities defined by job or uh, by religion. Mm -hmm. uh, in the last few years, we've been focused on sort of more thematic work. So we did a series of plays uh, around uh, justice and looking at communities as, as they were uh, defined by issues, justice issues that they were contending with. So we worked with undocumented day laborers and domestic workers. We worked with uh, people who were involved uh, in issues around reproductive rights. So we worked with uh, uh, folks uh, sort of involved in the uh, criminal justice system mm -hmm. in, uh, Cal in in Los Angeles, uh, and more recently we've been doing work uh, focused on the theme of hunger, okay. working with a wide range of communities uh, uh, grappling with hunger in the literal and metaphorical sense. Mm -hmm. uh, and Urban Res, the project that Larissa and I collaborated on a long time ago, or at least started a long time ago, yeah. right. went, up, went up about two years ago, uh, was a piece uh, we were uh, we created in the context of. Uh, local indigenous communities, both people of the land mm -hmm. uh, of Los Angeles County, uh, but also uh, indigenous folks from other places who came there as a major center of relocation. So mm -hmm. it's a really large, diverse, thriving indigenous community in Los Angeles. And it's a very exciting project to work on. Yeah, definitely neat. Hey, Michael. And hey, I am uh, Michael Garcia. Uh, the less important Michael on this project. <laughs> I don't know about that. You're yeah. capturing the stories, Michael. Like well, you're the, uh, a very important role. The younger Michael. Yeah. So I do a lot of the uh, note taking on this process, um, and uh, do the the more logistical, administrative stuff. Make sure these two get to the places they need to get to on time, um, which is a job. Mm -hmm. so. I believe it. <laughs> uh, 
But I also do think of my role as creating the space for their creative processes to be, you know, to 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 flourish the way that it needs, so that this project can get can get to where it needs to get. So okay. yeah, great, that's kind of where I'm here. Yeah, and I'll probably ask you like follow-up questions and stuff as we move along. So I'll just direct or move as we need to. So, cool. so you've you've done something like this before in doing urban res. Tell me about what was urban res. What was the goal? What was the vision? And then, what is the reimagination of what the, what urban res was that will turn into what Native Nation is? Yeah, so Urban Res um, was part of the hunger cycle that Michael just talked about. And um, what we were exploring was hunger for culture because <laughs> um, the indigenous people of Los Angeles Basin have all been declared extinct by the government back in the 50s when they had that kind of clearinghouse of, of um, what is that, non-recognition? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what they called it officially, but in case. Yeah. So there are no people that recognize there. And so um, we're, we started out kind of with an exploration of what does it mean to, you know, be considered extinct and being told you don't exist on your own A living land. extinct person. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Despite the fact there's thousands of them there. Right. You know, what is that experience? Yeah. And, and, and when your culture has been intentionally erased by the government, mm -hmm. not just this government, but the Mexican government and the Spanish government, like yes. they had three governments that came in and tried to erase them. Yeah. And so what does that feel like? And right. then, and then, as Michael said, we expanded it to include then um, those of us, people like myself, who are in Lakota and I live in Los Angeles now or Santa Monica, but what is it like to then be living on another indigenous person's land as an indigenous person? And, and how does that affect you being away from your own homelands? Yeah. And so those are kind of the explorations we really um, started with around the th idea of hunger. Um, that piece ended up being a really um, large, strange, wonderful, amazing thing. Um, it was in uh, the basis of it was a cultural fair, an outdoor cultural fair. Mm -hmm. um, and part of the work was actual booths and uh, a market, large marketplace outside where people selling their work. Mm -hmm. um, we had uh, satirical booths then also woven into that, mm -hmm. um, things that we created, the Defend Your Culture booth, the... Reduce Your, reduce your Guilt. Yeah, Reduce Your Guilt booth. I think we started calling it... Yeah. It's like a confessional booth? Cleanse. Yeah, the Karma Cleanse. Oh, okay. And you could get like things tasked to do during the fair, like, okay. you know, learn an elder story, learn two words oh. in another language, in an indigenous language, learn the name of the tribe, tribal people on whose land you're standing, things like that. Right, yeah. And that, anyway, if you did all those, you came back, and you could get a certificate for 1% reduced guilt. And then you got okay. another list that was like, the big ticket item was return the land, all of it. And that could get you like 50% of your guilt reduced. Which is a pretty good, yeah. pretty good one. No one's won no, that yet. No, not yet. Yeah, <laughs> complicated process. <clears throat> yeah. Just so, zoning that, I mean. Right? Yeah. yeah. So, so all this stuff was happening, real and, and fictional things. And then out of that, the um, people who worked in the fair um, started a, a, a play I mean stories grew out of this experience mm -hmm. um, at times there were five stories going at the same time so it was very much a um, the visceral experience I was trying to create for the people of Los Angeles who I'm learning like here are not aware of their native people and how many there are mm -hmm. um, was for them to really feel um, to, to, for the non-native folks to feel very like they understood the space and understood the land they're on and then to have that really kind of uh, be taken from them and have them feel very unsure of the land they're on and, and yeah. between both Michael's direction and the way he crafted the piece and, and the way we wrote and, and created this experience it was a very unsettling experience for a lot of people but then in the end brought everybody kind of back together again 
And the goal being, when they leave, they can never look at the land they're walking on the same again. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what we started with. And now we're, we were asked to, by ASU Gamage to mm-hmm. come here to Arizona and do some version of this experience here mm-hmm. in Arizona. Um, yeah. We're very much about doing this process and making it a very much indigenous-led process, mm-hmm. and an indigenized space. Yeah. Um, it will be performed by indigenous people. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's kind of where we are at that. Yeah. I feel like I'm rambling now. Yeah, I think, I think, I think what essentially it has come down to is not so much a remounting or even recreating urban res at all, mm-hmm. but really having, uh, continuing really the inquiry Mm-hmm. That started, and the inquiry is truly one of genuine curiosity, genuine asking. So we have no idea where we'll end up. Mm-hmm. So the product at the end is a mystery to us, and it could look something like urban rides, mm-hmm. or it could look completely different. Yeah, and and that is so. It's not. It's it's a sense just sort of the exploration. Like, what is it to ask these questions? What it what is it to talk to contemporary indigenous people and say, what do you want to say? Mm-hmm. Like what is what is the story you want to tell right now about your lived experience, your life experience right now? Yeah, and we we will just receive that and, and we'll together make something with that. Yeah, uh, that is yours. And so we enter in that spirit and uh, you know that particular inquiry, and we're looking for collaboration uh, and and looking for you know to, to have the privilege of telling these stories. Mm-hmm. But but but. But beyond that, it, it, it's that, that's sort of the continued exploration. It's not so much the piece itself. We were very proud of. I was very proud of Urban Resin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I uh, loved it. Like if I got a chance to do it again in LA, I would. Right. But it doesn't make any sense here. Like this is a different. It's place. a whole community. It's yeah. a whole different community, yeah. and and we're really excited about what this exploration will be. And so far, it's been really exciting. Taking indigenous stories and making a new story, like you know, it could be considered somewhat touchy, right? Because. A lot of native stories are taken, reappropriated, retold. Sure. You know, sure. Pocahontas, John Smith. Like, so how did the how was that received? What what um, did you hear from folks when you did it in LA? I think I think an important distinction that I've been learning in, in the process, and one that's become really concretized, I think, here in Arizona, actually, mm-hmm. in our process, is even that word story. Right? Mm-hmm. You need like in, in, at Cornerstone, we talk about having story circles, which are not unique to our company. Many companies do it, mm-hmm. but it's something we do. We have a practice of story circles, and you know, it became clear that like, like we're not asking for people's like uh, the stories of the people in, mm-hmm. in, in this in this making cultural stories, cultural stories right. any you, we're not like and we're not we don't have like a, a, a goal that you'll tell me some story that I can then use right it's more like it's, so we're telling them talk circles now mm-hmm. and it's really like what's on your mind right now what do you think should be in a play yeah like if we're making a play together mm-hmm. what should be in it. Okay. Like, what would you like to tell? Yeah. It may be a story. It may be uh, an opinion. It may be uh, uh, sort of uh, describing uh, how an experience feels. Mm-hmm. You know, but those are the kinds of things that we're, 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 we're seeking to elicit from people. And we're very clear that, like, anything in the play that is yours that you don't want in the play, just tell us and we will not be in there at right. any time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and Larissa's super clear about that. So even okay. even if we were open and the play mm-hmm. was running, mm-hmm. and someone said, "Hey, I I no longer feel okay about that," we take it out. Wow. Yeah. And the, and the exciting part of the process that we're coming into starting this fall, because we're about a year out from the show, mm-hmm. and starting this fall, the exciting part is that we yeah I'll have some kind of first draft of the script, whatever that is, and then we start taking it to people and getting their direct feedback. Mm-hmm. So you know we've been doing a lot of listening. And now they get to hear what I've heard and how I've interpreted it, and then they give the feedback. The right. indigenous community says, "No, this isn't right. Yeah, we want more of this. 
you know, um, take this out completely, as Michael said. You know, we and I, I love that part of it actually because I love yeah. just watching the indigenous people getting to have that, that, yeah. that ownership that we never get over our stories, yes. right? The ability to say yes, no, edit, <laughs> change yeah. that. And how often do people, like you said, come in and they collect all these collect, which is a horrible mm -hmm. word, but it's true. They yeah. collect things and they disappear and we never know what happened. Yeah. And that's not at all what this process is. We aren't collecting, we're trying to represent. Yeah. And, and in our representation, we continually bring it back to the community. Yeah. And um, so that process, and then as we need more stories and we'll do more, or not stories, as we need to um, speak more with people and fill in more things, then mm -hmm. we'll have more talking circles and say, okay, well, we have kind of an empty spot here that people think is important. Let's talk some more about, let's dig in deeper in that and see what you want us to represent. Yeah, and it sounds like the difference is, um it's not stories, you're collecting understandings of experiences that yeah. you're helping them to communicate to others. And I think that's a, probably an important differentiation in what y'all are attempting to do because it gives an understanding of an experience without you telling my story. Yeah. Um, that collectivist, uh, we all co-create this idea together. Co-create and co-present it. I mean, the actors yeah. in the show will be community members themselves. Right. We won't have, we won't, we're not bringing actors from elsewhere or mm -hmm. people who's, who are not walking in with their expertise and saying, now we're going to take your and perform them for a third other, mm -hmm. will be other, we're going to perform. But it's, 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 it's folks themselves will be on stage owning and performing their stories or mm -hmm. their experiences or their, you know, sharing their, their, uh, their versions of, of, of life and, 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 and what the contemporary moment is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's a lot of power. And those very actors who are of the community, you know, throughout the process are saying, this moment isn't, shouldn't be like this, it should be like that. Mm -hmm. And this sh actually should be in it, and this actually should be more. And, mm -hmm. and we are continually rewriting throughout the process, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, re and, I'm re and my direction is being like, no, I should, I should come over here and I should walk like, oh, okay, let's do that. Yeah. I mean, we will have a couple professional actors in the show, we, you know, who will play uh, roles uh, in urban res we had two, pro two professional actors non-indigenous from our ensemble mm -hmm. and then two professional indigenous actors in the mm -hmm. process and I imagine we'll have something like that in this process as well but we had a cast of how many people were in urban res? 16. 16 or 17 and, mm -hmm. and you know so of those 14 of them were, were indigenous, indigenous performers. Yeah. Two professionals and the rest non-professionals. Yeah that's that's really heartening to see too. You know, seeing you, uh, you going a lot of different places, meeting a lot of different people. This is a lot of work. <laughs> and the need to be really careful with what you're doing is very important. And it's something I'd like to hear from all of you. Uh, so again, so don't marginalize yourself <laughs> there, Michael. So why? Why is it, why are you all drawn to this? What is, um, what is your why into wanting to do this? What is your why in hoping to recreate this in a new mm -hmm. space? Why are you all driving? All, why are you in my... My little office here, <laughs> that type I'm of thing. To hear what you guys well, I would say uh, when I first fell into Cornerstone's lap, I was definitely in a place with theater where I was like, "Why am I doing this? It's inherently selfish." I I, I couldn't. I never saw it as something that I could do that also felt like I was using what I love or doing what I love to actually serve people, to serve the world around me. Mm -hmm. um, and I, by happenstance, I ended up getting an internship, and it was. Um, you know, you don't know this, but it was like the last thing I applied to in that, like my desperate bid to get an internship that summer, mm -hmm. and and then and that was the one I got. Um, yeah. And I and I and I got connected through uh, the former production manager there, that was one of my instructors at the community college I went to, mm -hmm. and uh, he became one of my mentors, and he helped me guide gu guided me through the process, and um, and it was just this eureka moment for me because I had never experienced theater in this way. Like everybody has this very uh, narrow, con like a, 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 a 
contraction of what theater is in their mind. Mm -hmm. um, and theater, uh, Cornerstone blew that wide open for me. It's, it's so hard to put, put into words, and so it was a development uh, internship, so I learned about grant reports and grant writing and yeah. impact reports. Uh, and I'll never forget the first thing I wrote because I had it. It was great because that summer was me spending like 10 weeks trudging through the Cornerstone archive, just reading about the work and like absorbing it and just kind of being like, holy crap, like this is real, like this work is real. But then we're also tasked with trying to like to, to quantify these experiences so that we can then, you know, present it to the world. We're like, look, this great work we do. But like, Cornerstone's work has such a deep personal impact mm -hmm. that you just don't really get to experience until you've been doing it for a while. Mm -hmm. And we have literally had community members say, oh, this changed my life. You know, I, somebody said, the joy in my life is now back. People saying like, this is, and you hear this one a lot, like, oh, this is something that I never thought I could do. Yeah. Um, and I've heard that one a lot. Just recently we did a show, uh, uh, Michael directed a show in, for La Jolla Playhouse that was presented in association with Cornerstone Theatre Company called What Happens Next. And uh, like Cornerstone's process we had for, for community members, and this was a, a show about veterans returning from Iraq and Afghanistan. And the, there we also had a character that was a Blue Star Mother, which, which are the mothers of um, active serving uh, military mm -hmm. uh, service members. And she said the exact same thing, which I've heard many, many times before. I never ever thought I could do this before, and I think I think I think the uh, the growth that comes, the self growth that is intrinsic to the participation in theater, mm -hmm. whether it's acting. I, I mean, I think everybody should have to learn to, should should do acting once, mm -hmm. because your life changes after that moment because mm -hmm. you suddenly realize you were so much more than you thought you were. Yeah, and so being able to share that experience with folks is I think profoundly impactful. Like if I have to if I have to narrow down into a general statement like why I love this work is it because I want to help people see the world more theatrically because if you can see the more theatric if you can see the world more theatrically you can see much more potential in what you once thought was you can see a, you can see a tree mm -hmm. <laughs> you can see a tree and instead of just seeing it by its scientific name, you could see that it's life, you could see that it's, it could be a home, it could be food, it can be, you know. It's so many things. Yeah, it's so many things. Depth and breadth. Yeah, and so that's why I'm really invigorated with this work, to yeah. be able to share those kinds of experiences with people. It's cool. It's good. Cool. <laughs> that's a good reason. That's a really good answer. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, why? So this work is intrinsic in everything that I do. I'm a playwright, I'm a full-time playwright, and um, so the vast majority of my work, in order to be a full-time playwright, is in very traditional theater companies, um, doing very traditional theater, you know, in a, what people think when they think of theater. But as an indigenous community member, um, you know, an indigenous woman, serving community is at the heart of our life, right? Mm -hmm. And so finding ways to serve the community through theater, and not just in the stories I tell, I, I've been talking a lot to people about, like, I enjoy theater. Theater found me as a writer and I love doing it. I love the things that end up on stage and, and I care very much and believe very deeply in those things. But that's not my end game. My end game is the social justice work that I do with theater. Mm -hmm. And the end game is um, changing community and changing lives and get opening a door and holding it open for other indigenous people. It's actually because I started in film and TV and I, I, I was like, I, there, there's no end game that meshes with my life yeah. goals yeah. there. And so um, people often are like, why? Because I, you know, I sold a couple TV shows right at the beginning of my career. And mm -hmm. they're like, why aren't you doing TV? I'm like, because they won't let me do what I want to do. Right. Like the idea of just writing something, just for to money. write it. Yeah. Well, just to like, for the act of writing something, I yeah. don't understand. Like, that's just, I'd be so depressed. So there's so many better things to do. 
So that's what I do normally in regular theater. Getting to do this work with Cornerstone is, you know, times a thousand, mm -hmm. you know, because the whole point of this work is my end game, right? Mm -hmm. All of it is. The whole process is the end game, the involvement of the indigenous people in it, all of it, you know, the performance, everything. There's not just the impact of the lives changed, you know, by people coming and learning or seeing themselves or whatever that experience is, if you're indigenous or not. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a huge life-changing experience there, which is great. But the whole process gets to change lives. You know, we've yeah. talked to people just last night. We had a talking circle with some students at ASU, and we talked to them before and after about what their expectations were and then what how they felt about what happened. And, and it was really emotional just yeah. getting to be in a room together with indigenous people and share their stories and connect with each other and realizing that they have the same stories, even though they're from vastly different nations, mm -hmm. um, and that they're in this one crazy place called ASU, and yeah. and that they're all having the same struggles and the same celebrations and you know so many things and and it was a super emotional experience for these people mm -hmm. and and we're not even we're not even there to the good stuff yet like right. there's so much more to come we've got a whole right. year to go of yeah. amazing yeah. experiences yeah um so that's what i love that's why i'm doing this is to serve the community mm -hmm. serve the indigenous community in the best way i can okay uh, yes to all that. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I know. Well, I, I, it's very complicated. You know, I mean, there's a there's a lot I could talk about. But uh, one thing that I would say that's a little bit of a different perspective and is a major driver for me in doing this particular project and and doing the kind of work we do at Cornerstone and, and in general, just my particular theater practice, is actually because of beauty, mm -hmm. right? And beauty something that's really beautiful, that's beautiful because it's change, that's beautiful because it moves you to see the world in a different way and to see yourself in a different way, which is what active beauty does. Because, mm -hmm. you know, theater is about change. It can't not be about change, mm -hmm. you know. Um, uh, and, and, I mean, there's a lot of bad theater that is not, a, I guess, uh, that, that pushes against that impulse. Mm -hmm. But but real, the real theater, real performance is about change. It has to be, right, mm -hmm. For, to work. and. And in creating those 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 uh, moments of aesthetic, profound aesthetic experience, you create a sense of possibility in the world that affects social change. It affects people's understanding of what is possible. Mm -hmm. And I find that doing work like like we're doing with Native Nation and collaborating with people who uh, who don't generally uh, have this kind of platform and bringing and and it's such a privilege for me because I, I can bring the tools that I have as a, as a practitioner, but what I don't have are the words, I don't have the experience, I don't have the understandings. And so I learn a lot and together we make this thing of surprising beauty that could not have been made otherwise. Mm -hmm. And is shocking in its in its in its newness and in its in its and, and how it changes. And I, I find that opportunity is both thrilling as an artist and also uh, has 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 the potential for profound impact. Yeah. Yeah you all have really, really good wives. <laughs> um, I've always found, uh, you know, the title of the podcast is Inclusive Activism, right? It's right. the idea of how do you create spaces of connection, belonging, understanding, equity, justice uh, together, and then that's an active process. It's always happening. It's something that you're always doing. What I've always really appreciated about artists the most is um, I can tell people how to get there, but I don't always necessarily have the vision. Like, I help to communicate the vision in other ways. Um, I'm like a decoder uh, and find different ways to speak people's different languages. So when I have to talk to police, like I have to talk police to police sure. to help them understand 
what's happening in their community. Um, and then I have to talk police to the community so they can understand what police feel like. So how do you feel like uh, what you do in your work helps to envision or recreate a new possibility of like a hopeful reality that you're working towards for other people? Yeah, it's a tricky one, I will say. Um, you know, I, I realized really sadly, it's a very profound moment for me. I, you know, I grew up in South Dakota, um, mm -hmm. which although we are there and we are proud and there's all that, you know, we, we're the recipients of a series of you know, centuries of loss, mm -hmm. you know, and it continues. Mm -hmm. And um, I got uh, I'm a big crybaby, so be ready. Um, I uh, I was during Standing Rock. I remember I was with my husband. We were taking a trip for our wedding anniversary, and we're driving out to Joshua Tree, and I heard that they'd won one of the court cases, mm -hmm. and um, it was really profound for me to realize that I did not believe in hope mm -hmm. for my people. As much as I believe in my people and I love my people, I honestly didn't believe we could win. Right. Ever. Yeah. And I, I didn't know that I'd carried that with me my whole life, that I that I had no belief in winning. Yeah. And it's got overturned <laughs> a week yeah. later. But it was for a moment, it was really lovely to be like, oh my God. Yeah. For the first time in centuries, there are young native people in this nation that believe they can win. Mm-hmm. Like, that's going to change everything. I know. That they know they can win. Right. Like, I didn't experience that growing up. We never had a win. Yeah. And, um, and that was just like, oh my God, I can't imagine. Like, what can they... The future is going to be completely different just mm -hmm. because of that. Just because knowing that they can win. Yeah. And so, so I have a weird relationship with hope. That being said, you know, it sounds corny, but theater can do that. Mm -hmm. People can... Theater can give you that. Theater mm -hmm. can give you... Um, understanding of what hope is. Mm -hmm. Theater can give you um, the ability to dream, mm -hmm. whether it's to see your dream or someone else's dream, mm -hmm. or to even just dream yourself in that dream. You know, like it, it, it can give you so many things. And we're starting as indigenous people, and unfortunately it's been the case with so many stories here in the Phoenix area, we're starting from a place of invisibility. We, mm -hmm. just, we just don't exist to the mm -hmm. dominant culture. And so um, I've been constantly um, very moved in my career again and again, seeing just giving us visibility, just mm -hmm. making a scene is profound. Mm -hmm. And the what sparks from that and the hope that comes out of that is incredible. And seeing that other people, for the non-native people, like that there's a way, something that I do create in my plays as much as like, they can be pretty satirical and, and sometimes really tough on white folks mm -hmm. um, and very honest Yeah. Um, because I'm representing native voices, right? Mm -hmm. But despite that, I do show that there's a way for us to come together, that there's a way for us to move forward. Mm -hmm. and, and so I try to give that to both, it, you know, because that's I feel like there's so many well-meaning white folks that just don't know, like they don't engage with native people because they're scared because they don't know what to do because they are aware of the genocide and they are aware of the losses, you yeah. know, and they don't know what to do, so they just stay away. And so this gives them also, hopefully through my work, I always try to give them a way. That guilt is such a barrier, you yeah. know? And even, like, it's almost like you have to, like, hold someone's hand, like, go on a reservation, because mm -hmm. they're like, oh my god, here's even more guilt, and I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, and, though, it's just Tuesday too, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like, yeah. like this is also just <laughs> their experience and mm -hmm. like, 
And I'm like, whose dog is that? And I'm like, that's everybody's dog. <laughs> like, they just go around doing their thing. Like, yeah. shouldn't it be somewhere? Yeah, it is. It's right there. Yeah. And like, it will be where it needs to be later on, and it will get fed by several different people. There's yeah. not that thing to worry about, but you don't understand because yeah. you're not here, right? Yeah. Uh, and you don't know, you know, somebody else's like worst case scenario is also somebody else's just Tuesday, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. And I think that's why I have a. I'm really optimistic, even though I talk about some of the hardest stuff in the world. Um, a lot of it is because I get to hang out with the young people all the time. Mm-hmm. And, um, I'll never go anywhere else because I get to hang out with the young people all the time. Mm-hmm. But like, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. Uh, and there's just so much opportunity. And it's hard because uh, I have some kids that are that have DACA status. And so they just found out recently that they're going to have to be paying out-of-state tuition now here. Yeah. Again, in the only place they've ever known is home. Yeah. They get so down and hurt and um, like down on themselves. And uh, I'll have to tell them at times, like, remember who you are. Like, people have been trying to like eradicate you for several centuries to no avail. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I mean, like, did everything in as many different creative ways you can think to erase a person as possible. And yet still you are here, mm-hmm. existing, and still you are here, like thriving, mm-hmm. you know, in the face of this stuff. And um, your mere existence just causes that dissonance yeah. with uh, ideas of should versus like what could be. I think it's really kind of cool to see that too. The next question I want to ask you is, again, you're doing something new, so it's really hard, right? You know, like, it's not Urban Res, this is Native Nation, this is Phoenix, right? A whole different situation. You're in a space that's not home, with people that you're just getting to know. Coming over and having guacamole in random people's houses. Um, But you still have to have a vision, right? Like an idea of what this is, where you'd hoped it to go, and kind of what you'd like it to look like. How could you communicate what you're hoping to see here in Phoenix with the indigenous community in this space without being prescriptive? Because that's an interesting challenge y'all have on your hands. It is a challenge. I mean, I, I work hard not to have an idea of what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I have an idea about process, for sure. You know, I, I, I have an idea that we're going to be in conversation with people for X amount of time, an idea that out of that some kind of textual response is going to happen. Mm-hmm. I have an idea that we're going to bring that back to those very same people and read it together and talk about it. Mm-hmm. And then I have an idea we're going to get into a space together and, and make performance out of that. Mm-hmm. Right? If at any point in time we hear, no, we don't want to do that mm-hmm. in a strong way from a community, then we would stop and mm-hmm. that idea would not be. Mm-hmm. But barring that, I think that idea we have and be, beyond that, I mean, like, I, I, don't, I don't know what it will, it will look like, mm-hmm. like, at all. Right. Like, my designers right now don't have anything to design. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not saying, well, it could be this, it could be that. I mean, it, it's, it's, making, it's making some of, it sometimes makes our partners a little crazy, mm-hmm. you know, because they would like to know some things. Yeah. And I'm like, well, me too. At some point, <laughs> maybe we'll find those things out. Right. But, but I, don't, I don't actually know those things. And, and I've worked hard over time to discipline myself not to, I'm not always successful. But I, my, my, I strive not to know mm-hmm. as much as I can. Yeah. And trust the experience that I've had of making things and of being in a room together and listening as best I can to create a context with a group of people who can make something together, mm-hmm. you know, in this way. And so that's kind of what I know. Mm-hmm. And I, that's pretty much it. Yeah. You know, I mean, I know it won't be seven hours long. 
Right. Do you know what I mean? So I know, yeah. I know some basic things. Like <laughs> right. it won't be seven hours long. Yeah. It won't happen in the daytime in April in Phoenix. We were been told very concretely that it's a terrible idea. <laughs> that people would have each Wind other. and hot. Yeah. Right. 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 So, so I know those two things well. Uh, you know, we do have timelines from our producers, like they want it to happen in a certain timeline. And mm -hmm. so there's certain, certain basic constraints. Mm -hmm. uh, but beyond that, we don't know. Okay. And I think that's what um, makes Michael and I very good collaborators. Because <laughs> yeah. um, I also, in my writing process, when I sit down to write, I, I don't know what the story's about. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know what the ending will be. I don't know what the point is. Mm -hmm. I, I'm constantly surprised. I was told the story and I once had a character so I said, um, uh, was going along and suddenly he jumped off a cliff and killed himself. And I was in a coffee shop and I went, <gasps> and I just like burst into tears and I was sobbing and people were like worried that something horrible was happening to me. And I was like, right. the character just killed himself. Oh my God. Like, what are you um, talking about? You just killed him. <laughs> I, I was like, no. I was so upset. Yeah. Um, you know, it took like took me three drafts later to convince him to stay, like mm -hmm. to not kill himself. But like I couldn't just make that decision. Like I follow right. my subconscious. I very much trust my subconscious and mm -hmm. and my skills as a dramatist and whatever all that is and the world and mm -hmm. the ancestors and the earth. Um, I trust all those things to tell me what they want to tell me. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's what Michael and I work very well together. Because as a writer, also Michael's also a writer. But as a as a writer, my on this project, um, I don't know. I have no idea what the script will be. When I start writing it, I don't know what it will be. Mm -hmm. We'll find out. It'll be exciting to see what it is. And yeah. then it will continue to change. And um, we were just saying last night, um, Michael Garcia here, that uh, something I always remembered when we started, just before we are starting rehearsal on Urban Res, and we, I just had all these things and all these stories, and we didn't know how it worked or what they were. And he said, the best gift you can give me is to not figure it out. Mm -hmm. Just let us be in the room not knowing. And mm -hmm. I was like, oh. God. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> I cannot figure something out. Right. <laughs> and then yeah, you know, we worked together in the room with the cast and all and the designers and everybody and mm -hmm. figured it out. It went yeah. really well. Yeah. And we we're really proud of it. Yeah, I think what's neat in working in those spaces is, um, you know, sometimes I mean you have an idea, but um, there's such an opportunity and being open to go anywhere with with every next step. It is, you know, I want to take a step. And the next step may not be forward, it may be three steps backward and then seven steps that way, you know, to the right. Mm -hmm. The path kind of reveals itself, but only when you can see where it's supposed to go. Yeah. But it's a hard concept for people to understand too, yeah. uh, which is part of the reason why I asked you the question. Mm -hmm. So they have a sense of what it looks like and where you're hoping yep. to go to? Yeah, and that has been a challenge for some folks, especially people in radio, like community members that um, yeah, maybe I've never encountered theater, or community members have encountered a lot of theater. Both mm -hmm. of them or, um, are like, eh. we're professionals. <laughs> yes, we're a lot of professionals. Yeah, and they're like, I need a bath, need to know yeah. what's going to happen. It's like, ah, well, great. <laughs> Give us a map. <laughs> Let's see how that works. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's it. and and so that's been. I think that's also the challenge for everybody and for us too. I mean, it's not like we're sitting here going. This is gonna be awesome. We know that. Like, we're it's both, terrifying. Yeah, we're both <laughs> deeply afraid, <laughs> and and it is very stressful and yeah. difficult mm -hmm. to yeah. keep that openness. Because the easy thing would be for Michael and I to sit here and you know I, I have an office in this theater company and to sit there in California and go, let's make it be this, and yeah. and then come back and make that happen. That's mm -hmm. very easy to do, mm -hmm. and to find people saying the things you want them to say, sure. which is what most people do when they engage with indigenous populations, mm -hmm. is they're looking for an end and they get go until they find the person that says something that 
um, supports their like hypothesis, mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's much harder for us to n- not have that conversation and to just keep being open and keep being open and see what emerges. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Like thematic analysis through major storytelling by tons of people. Yeah. yeah.